And yeah, Tom Morello, I don't know about that fuck. He's definitely not been political ever before. Got way too political, man. What happened to him? Beer precedes Ger- Germany by like millennia. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, just, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not. I was like, I don't know. I, I can tie this together That's somehow. Amazing. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the Mesopotamians yeah. invented beer. I mean I'm pretty sure like th- th- yeah I don't monkeys I think drink China beer. Also, I was like trying to fireworks. They probably. Won't. What up, world? Happy Fourth of July, America! America! Welcome to our Happy Fourth of July episode. <laughs> episode 116 of the Amera podcast. Man, if they could only see the quotation marks we just threw up around happy. America. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Today is a exciting day, yet a somber day. Full of reflection, I think, for us and perhaps for you as well. Hopefully, yeah. That's what's that's what can be really good about the fourth. You know, doesn't have to just be a drunken party. It should be a day for reflection. That's right. Um, before we get too far into it, I'd also like to say, uh, since we haven't been on together in a while, the four of us, to all of our listeners out there, Happy Juneteenth. Since we oh, missed that, yes. God, also we, Happy Pride Month. We have not recorded yes. in so long. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it's been a while. So we apologize, but we're back today for a short. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then hoping to get on a regular schedule again here next week. Some yeah. some of us had to go out and buy houses. <laughs> some of us had to do things. Some of us had to go on canoe trips. And yeah, <laughs> and and get dogs named after famous anti-fascists. There you go. Some of us had to tend to tomato blight. So you know, it's <laughs> all over, we're all over the map here. Time is tough. Time is tough everywhere, man. There, got to get those tomatoes. There man. has indeed been just so much going on, and we have a lot to cover. We won't get to. A, a, even a small fraction of it today, but we are stopping by to say hello and happy 4th of July to you all. That said, we came up with a little idea today to discuss things that we would change in the country if we had a uh, America wand, <laughs> magic wand. We could just Can wave we it. talk about Ooh. what that looks like real quick? Is it just I like think, red, white, yeah. and blue? I think it's just the Statue I, of Liberty's yes, uh, the torch. torch. The torch. Yes. Yeah. Nailed it. Thank you, Tyler. That's a very good non-problematic yeah. one to throw out. That's Nailed like that, that's that's an American symbol I think we could all get behind. That's amazing. Guys. Yeah, because it comes the from the French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, non-controversial. <laughs> good. Cheers. Moving on. We love the French. So before we get into it, I'll introduce the guys. We got the original cast with us here in Colorado. Not all together. We're social distancing, of course. But Mr. John Kelly. Hello, sir. How's it going? Oh, howdy, howdy. Nice to be back. Good to see your guys' faces, even you if too. it's on Skype. And it's nice to hear your voice. And also in Colorado, Mr. John Anderson in his uh, new casa. Como oh, hey estas? Uh the Spanish version of what's up? Uh, que pasa? <laughs> que pasa? Uh, Obviously, yeah. three years of Mr. Bowman, despite <laughs> him being a very nice person, it didn't really stick. Spanish. <laughs> oh, yeah, I learned tons. Yeah, of Mr. Bowman. <laughs> no, I know the chance. That's... And Mr. 
Mr. No the Chance out in California, Tyler Grillo. Hello, sir. Are we sure How he's in California? Hello, hello. Then? Here I am speaking of the Statue of Liberty, drinking a Heller High Watermelon, which features um, the Statue of Liberty mm-hmm. sitting oh. on the Golden Gate Bridge. That's yes. how you came up with that idea. That's right. I was looking right at it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, That's you smart. pulled that fast. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to you all. And I'm your host, Blake Mannion. So yeah, who wants to uh, who wants uh, to take I, the lead on this? Sure. So I have a controversial one. I'm not totally sure. Uh, I I have been pondering about this, so I kind of want to like America therapy it with you guys real quick, if we could. So we're doing uh, uh, what what thing we would change about America? Obviously, there's like with our magic torch. Are, yeah, with our magic uh, Liberty torch. torch. <laughs> uh, and obviously there's a lot of like low hanging fruit there, right? Like wear a fucking mask or something like that. But I want to kind of get like <laughs> deeper. Sorry if I stole somebody's, uh, but I want to get like deeper a little bit. And so I want to like toss this out and see what you all think. But I, I wish if I could change the minds of Americans that we viewed the founding of America as not 1776, but as 1619 when the first slaves arrived, arrived at Jamestown, as the New York Times has argued in the 1619 Project. Thank you, Tyler. So no, I, I, think, I think that would um, go a long way towards uh, allowing us to conceive of a better country. Interesting. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I like that idea. Um, I mean, I would just like to see a little bit more thoughtful discussion on our history in general. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> besides that, definitely a rethought of how the original colony started and when America really started. Um, it's probably an important thought process for a lot of people. Right. In the country. Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions and confusion about the early aspects mm-hmm. of colonial America mm-hmm. and building in uh, African-Americans as an important aspect and also timing that as really the beginning of the country gives them a stake and an ownership in it, yeah. which is um, I think really is lacking because you don't see it often talked about until the civil war afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, uh, I, another like thing I like about it, and I think we have discussed this on the pod before, is that, is that I, view I view America more as an empire, empire on the continent on itself than a nation, state. A nation state. We are so, we are so vast and diverse, diverse, and we are an empire, empire with the empire's head at Washington, D.C. And I think and I that think having that a founding of 1619 would allow more space for that concept in the American mind, which I think would be useful in terms of just governing ourselves. And that's like federalism, right? Basically in a, in a, in a repackaged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I would say it's a step in the right direction too. Um, I a hundred percent agree that you should look as at the United States as an empire on the North American continent. It clearly is. Um, And it, by viewing it that way, it also opens the door for further discussion about the absolute genocide that we put the Native American tribes through. 100%. And forced relocations and pushed, forced out of basically every t- territory that white settlers wanted to live in for basically 200 years. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that leads into mine, so I'll just say mine, which I'm not 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 to not to end this conversation, but I think it will just you know yeah it will it will come together. It'll enrich it. It will enrich it. Mine would be that instead, if if the so historically, you know, the mass migration that was that was the colonization of the United States was due to mass poverty in Europe, uh, especially England, due to the seizing of the commons, which then coupled with the Industrial Revolution, driving a bunch of people into slums in the cities. I wish that when they come here, it was more like um, assimilating, you know, as, as all immigrants do, assimilating to at least a certain level, not like completely, not a complete assimilation, but assimilation at some level to the culture that already exists in a place that you go, which would have been, um, you know, Native Americans um, who were here and less of a, like if, if I could wave the magic wand, it wouldn't be a colonial project. Um, and like, who knows what that would even look like. <laughs> um, I'm also yeah. like, I also just wish there just wasn't the colonization at all. But like, if there was a mass migration, I'm saying like, like just taking, I'm not sure even that I would like that to happen, but like assuming that the mass migration happens, that it was more of an assimilation and a meeting of cultures versus a dominant colonization. Right. It's. <laughs> I'm going to laugh every time. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be every time. <laughs> uh, so, man, that's that's a fun. That I yeah. mean, as a as a historian, uh, that's a really fun what if. Right. I mean, the statement. The, the, right? the, the, what the continent? What the world would look like if the Europeans did not forcefully colonize? The first thing that every quarter of the world. The first thing that popped into my head was Wakanda. Like that's the that's the closest thing I could conceive of uh, to to what that might look like but still that is like westernized right that's, that's a marvel comic so who the fuck knows but yeah that's awesome is that that's black panther cool. yeah that's black panther sorry that's the i still need to the, see that it's so good oh, you gotta uh, see it. it's, it's so, good. so good uh that's the mythical that- land in africa where uh, uh black panther takes place that's on disney plus right it is on <laughs> disney plus yeah no i love that idea just what what that might look like and also i mean it seems like that would be a cool culture. Like if we were the Iroquois, that'd be rad. Yeah. But like a I mean, nation like, state of that's the thing. That's the thing about America that that I I you know is like I I feel like for me Fourth of July is often like oh here we find ourselves. Um, we can't change the past, but how can we um, you know uh, respectfully um, issue reparations for the past and also like take advantage of where we are, like the locality and what's happening now and where we are for the future. And the amazing thing about America is obviously not everywhere, um, but in some parts of America, we're an extremely uh, multicultural society. And um, I think that is one of our strongest suits. And there's a reason why many people want to come here <laughs> one because we fuck up their countries really bad and then they're like well like you know at least like let's go where the spoils are which is a uh, conversation but i think also because there is something to be said of people from different parts of the world with different ideologies and ways of being coming together and trying to figure out how are we going to coexist right yeah um it, it's um so this is speaking of Disney Plus. Uh, there's been a rekindling of the debate around Hamilton and like, is it good? Is it accurate? Does it tell us things about the revolution? Blah 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 blah. And I think it's a little bit like 
overblown. I think come on, let's just all settle down. But one of the things I really like my I if guess, you're going to get all of your history facts from a Broadway musical, you should take a step back. Yeah, yeah totally. It's <laughs> yeah. like everybody settle the fuck down. Um, but what I love about it, and it's something that you can trace through the history of America, is that each successive generation has taken the words of the founding and made it their own. And I think mm-hmm. I think if the founders came to the world we have today, most of them would be like, holy fucking shit, this is not at all what we intended when we said yeah. all men are created equal. But They're like, we meant right. white men oh, yeah, with property. Damn it. Women can vote. Yeah. What is that thing flying in there? Well, they stop shitting their pants around all the technology <laughs> that would be like magic to them. Yeah. Right. Be able to have a conversation. So and and I, I view the same thing about Hamilton is it's like, look, let's just it is it is a multi multicultural multi ethnic nation claiming a founding that wasn't necessarily the uh, factual truth, but every generation gets to conceive of that founding in some way, and most of the time we've made it better each successive generation. And so uh, I most of the time, most of I, yeah, the time, and, and, and I think that's actually it's a really interesting discussion because it gets to the heart of I I think what you see throughout history and, and in everybody's day-to-day lives even, is when you talk in real, true, idealistic terms. The terms and the idealistic uh, language that was used in the founding and the Declaration of Independence and the, in the Constitution, um, they're lofty goals. Yep. They're, they're goals and they're ideals that people are striving to. People are not perfect. Nobody is ever perfect. And it gives us what's really great about this country is because of this, the built-in rights that we have and the flexibility of the founding documents, we have the opportunity to continue to grow and be progressive as a society and work together to make it better for everyone. And that's so that's like that's a plug for why it's really good on the Fourth of July to celebrate some of that stuff. There's a lot of really bad things, but you know the fact that we uh, are allowed to protest in the streets and. We, we will get back into the Black Lives Matter more next week and I think talk more about the protests and violence and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that we're allowed to do that, yes, there's some militarization of the police that have pushed back against it and all that. But, you know, the fact that we can do that and we can sit here on the 4th of July and criticize leaders, criticize our foundations is important. Um, so I will just make that one little plug. Yeah. Um, I think we, but, you know, it, oh, go the, ahead, the idealism is there. The idealism is there, and it strives for us to be more perfect, yeah, right? I, to create a more perfect union. I think we, we acknowledge the wrongs of the past, but feel uh, optimistic about the possibility of the future, right? Like, that is maybe maybe what we can call the American dream in a, in a more realistic version of it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean— we can have a, we can we can go down the deeper the deep end of this, but like when as, when you create something, I would submit that it doesn't. If you're in true creative form, like the real like deep form, it's not just coming from you. It's coming from something beyond ourselves, right? It's like why like musicians like really really great songs sometimes have meanings and implications that they never intended, right? Like you see these people who like get obsessed with like like John Lennon, for example. I saw like a really good interview one time with this guy I was like obsessed. He's like, your song, it's like they're speaking directly to me. And he's just like, well, man, I don't know who you are, but like, I'm really glad that they do speak to you. But like, I don't know you. Right. Like, 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 but that's like a good art form. And I think in the same way, like to me, Wait, it, Tyler, are you about to tell me that rage against the machine is political? Cause if you are, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit this pod. Right right now. Now. 
just another band, just another band that all of a sudden wants to get political out of you know? That was one of <laughs> my like all-time most favorite things in the world. <laughs> yeah. But but I think the same is true in, in a sense, like, if you think about it, like, the founding of our country, like, that may not be what they, but if they were bringing forth an, a kind of a different format of government, it doesn't, to me, so much matter what they intended, necessarily. Totally. But what was coming through them and what what that I, higher ideal is. That I was, love that conceptualization. That's fucking rad. Yeah. And yeah, well, maybe- Tom Morello, I don't know about that fuck. He's definitely not been political ever before. Got way too political, man. What happened to him? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Get back in line. Yeah. Rage against that washing machine. Yeah, more. yeah. Rage against that washing machine. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, maybe this is a good one for me to step in and say what I would change if I waved my magic uh, lit wand. The Red Sox um, don't exist. Huh? The Red Sox don't exist. Well, I mean, that's an easy one for me, but I, I don't think that would solve a lot of issues. It would just make me really happy and about maybe uh, nine or ten million people. Ah, close. Close. Um, actually, what I would do is I would waive it so that tomorrow the Constitution was changed for a proportional democracy system Ooh. in terms of our voting, um, where it wouldn't be a first-past-the-post system any longer. Um, I think that... Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's it's right on because we're not as democratic as we could be or as we should be. It's true. Okay. And I th- I think if we had a proportional represented proportional representative government on the federal level, there would be a lot more voices heard, and we would not be in the type of extreme right versus everybody else in the country type situation we are in currently. So this is one of my favorite questions to ponder on um i've had this debate with you john yes so so (laughs) yes so for for the listeners um i honestly don't know where i come down on this but i love the discussion and i'll i'll play the other side on this i think that's a bad idea and the reason i think that's a bad idea is because the two-party system is is it it is the two-party system exists because of the functions of First past the post elections. It it that is why we have a two party system. So it forces. It is one of it, going back to America's an empire. It forces unity among disparate parts of our country uh, that would not otherwise be there. Um, so for it, let's take a bad example. You have the the New Deal coalition, which included Dixiecrats, which were just racist, terrible white Democrats, and that's how they won a whole bunch of elections <laughs> and won World War II and yada yada yada. But like, so the I think what happened the the assumption around. Um, a proportional representation system is that there will be a coalescing around idea, uh, uh, ideologies. So you'll have the Socialist Party, you'll have the Democratic Party, you'll have the Christian Party, you, et cetera, et cetera. I fear, I do not know, but I fear that parties would coalesce not around ideology, but they would coalesce around region. And then we would have a a further disillusion of the union because we just factionalized around our the the geography of our country rather than the ideology of our country. So that's that is my fear with the proportional representation system. However, it would be really nice if we had, you know, 12 socialists in Congress. 
and and we had a, a, a more of a coalition government. So I really struggle with that. However, I I do think that that is a uh, a thing a, a positive that is not often acknowledged about the two party system is that it is a unifying factor in the country, even though it feels like it's not most of the time, especially right now. Right, and I I think I would uh, go back to what you said about forced unification behind a party and because I believe that it's more that mm-hmm. when there's two, when you have an A or B and that's the only thing that you have to vote for, people are either going to feel like they're forced into voting one way, which I think happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two, I think there's a bunch of people who don't want to participate in the system and become apathetic or become more angry with the system. And I think you see that in a lot of the younger more generation as well. I, I I understand your argument about regionalization of parties. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were nationally based parties like they are in most of the European nations that have proportional representation, uh, I think you would see a little, I think that's a little less likely than what you're thinking of. There's, but Because there's always regional differences even within the Democratic and Republican parties currently. Right? So I think you, I think you would have those regional differences more within those national parties as a structure, like say, right, you have a socialist democratic party, you have a democratic party, you have a Republican party, you have a right wing party, you have a green party, but they have to perform nationally to be able to get seats in Congress. That's how a proportional system works. And so I don't know about the, I, I, I see what you're saying uh, about the regionalization of it and it's possible right. certainly, but I think bringing more people into the fold and having more people think that the democracy is working for them because their beliefs and what they actually think their party should be doing for them, it gives them more of a voice. Sure. I think if people are buying into it more, we end up having a better overall national democratic discussion, and I think it strengthens our democracy more than hurts it. It's almost like unions could then like be absorbed into that, right? In a way, like like or maybe uh, <clears throat> I guess that they could sponsor different parties instead, but. I guess what well, I'm I mean, getting at basically is like every European country, there's a labor party. Yeah, you'd have a labor right. party, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or people of specific industries represented more in different parties. I suppose that actually goes with what I was going to say because I I was going to say to abolish the the two party dominance in our system, um, just because I. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that uh, it's been very polarizing and it's like a country like the United States. that's already has so much history in Christianity and this good versus evil mentality. I think that us tying the good versus evil or the red or blue or the Republican Democrat message uh, politically in with that good and evil like fundamental way of thinking is kind of what's getting us into this stalemate of, I don't know, just ignorance and stubbornness and, and people not wanting to cooperate or get along. And and you can see it in politics. You can see it in just like your community, you know? And I think that our two party system has a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Man, hitching, hitching your name to a party rather than what the party stands for is, so problematic. Yeah, so it is. Yeah. And it's easier to do that when there's only really two parties uh, to choose from. So, well, and I would also, you know, I would also suggest that it makes it easier to hijack a party as we have seen. 
<laughs> by Donald Trump. Um, so, you know, that's the other thing is when you have more, I mean, like, John, I think it's a good point. And also, like, you look at different parts of the world and where there are more parties and it's like, yeah, they have other issues as well. You know, like, one thing I think of, though, is like, you know, do the parties themselves form coalitions? So, like, for example, in Nepal, there are three Maoist parties and they are all different and differentiated but they and they're Nepal's also not the greatest example because they have just subdivided so many that they have like 60 but we kind of have that you know like the tea party right yeah but i'm talking about people who are elected and they so i don't i mean like i guess i I mean tea party officials are elected also but i think like their their system of government works like a little bit different it's also parliamentary but you know it's basically like you have these people who are like so, so for example, in their thing, nobody has like the majority. Also, I will say that I have not totally versed on exactly what the Nepali constitution is right now because it changes pretty quick, pretty frequently. But there was a certain point in which nobody had like the rep- enough um, representation to be like a ruling party. So the three Maoist parties had to get together and be like, mm-hmm. okay, we have to agree on these set of things because if not, literally our government's not going to function because we don't have the majority that the, that the constitution asks for. So there are other ways of what working it in, you know, so that you can mm-hmm. still like create like the necessity for um, folks to come together. And I would say, I think at least with Kelly, a lot of your goals, I think we can accomplish without a proportional representation system. It's a really good way of getting at a whole lot of different goals, but I think that we could do like, for example, I think a neither on the ballot would be a really great thing where if the neither wins the plurality, you do a special election. And so therefore you, you create a not, uh, you get a little bit at the first past the post problem because you end up having to run against yourself as well as having to run against your opponent. So I think that there are ways that we could get at it without doing that. Um, I understand the impulse. Yeah, I, I keep going. I'm not going to argue against the neither on the ballot. Yeah, I love we could that get idea. Real deep there, but go ahead. Um, I don't. I don't like the idea of neither oh, on the ballot. But well, ahead. boo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh oh now i've just lost my train of thought sorry i love that idea <laughs> I um, derailed you. my bad that's one of my pet ideas um but yeah i think that i just worry i i do not think that my gut says it will break down along regional lines um if we do it, anything and, and like the, when Kelly, when you say, um, you know, the problem is that it forces us to around two party. I think that's a, a feature, not a bug. It forces unity. Right. And so, uh, among, well, until people stop participating because they think the system's broken. Right. Right. Which is but, what we're seeing a lot of right now. I mean, yeah, but I don't right. think that that's we, a two-party like system. We have like a third of the necess- voting population actually votes. But I don't think that's necessarily a two-party problem. I think that that's a, a deeper problem with <laughs> a whole lot of different things that we don't have time to get into, honestly. And that was the point I was right. trying to make with why I chose to dissolve that two-party concept is because I think it's feeding into the division. And that is socially... How dissolve Well... But my point is, is that the two-party system is feeding into the division socially, which is feeding the apathy that Kelly was referencing, and then really seizing the system from operating at here's, all. Here's what I would say. I think that there will be more division if we did a proportional representation system. But 
I, I and maybe I'm not arguing for that. I'm just arguing for having more parties involved. But I think there's the I, you know we have like a magic wand, so yeah. But the um, the reason that the two party system exists is because of the way that we run elections. And so in order to not have a two party system, we would have to change the way to that proportional we run elections. presentation. Basically, that's like one of the main ideas. We would have to make some kind of change. Uh, I think uh, neither gets at it. Um, a proportional representation system gets at it. Um, these ideas get at it, but there would have to be a functional change to the way that we we run our elections in order to not have the two-party system. The two-party system is basically an accident of of the eventualities of our first election system. Post. Right, <clears throat> right, of course. Yeah, of course. And I'm, I mean, yeah. yep. I, would, I, would I, sorry, go ahead, Tyler. I was just saying, I think one thing that I'm like, is that they're pulling out of this that I think is like, these ideas, like as as much as it's just totally like abstract, it's also practical in that like we are moving. What I, we seem to agree on here is that like we will continue to evolve, right? Like yes. as a country and as people, as individuals and as a collective, right? And to me, it seems like the more voices you get in on that, I mean, I, we already had my moment, but let me say if I could wave my wand again, <laughs> I would wave my wand and make sure that Rutherford B. Hayes was never fucking born <laughs> on this goddamn planet. Because that motherfucker is responsible for, I mean, like, you, there are many people responsible for Jim Crow, but he is the fucking main central yes. motherfucker responsible for that yes. shit. That's not wrong. And right yes. after pinnacle. Sucking, the pinnacle, I agree. Like, right after Civil War, there were so many black people getting elected to fucking like imagine what would our play our country would be like if that motherfucker hadn't come in and made the fucking deal that he made and allowed jim crow to happen and like that's where i feel like because voices of different cultures that's what i think is going to evolve us like most quickly and effectively right which is why i'm like psych psyched on people like elon omar and aoc and people getting in there and stacy Abrams, like people getting in there just you know Different identities, different races, people from different parts of the country. Like, Elon Omar's from Minnesota. How dope is that? You know what I mean? Like, totally. It's like you want people who live in different regions but also are ethnically diverse, are ultra-culturally diverse in terms of gender and sexuality, like all those things. Like, that's different right. experiences yeah. in life. Yeah, like, listen, like, white guys, we have, like, something to contribute. But, like, when we're the only guys who contribute, that doesn't seem to be great. But that's true of, I would say, most things in the world. Like, if you just hyper-specialize something and be, like, only these people, that can work in smaller things, but it does not work on broad scales, right? Like, there is place for people who are very, like, it's great to have a little, like, thing of a space where you're like, okay, like, this is just for black folks. Like, this is just, but, like, it, on a large scale, we all got to be involved. That's amazing. I love that. And you know what's yeah, great is that reading. we can evolve a reading of Federalist Number 10 to include that. Yeah. Speaking of going back to our founding documents, sort of founding documents. Yeah. Uh, also, Tyler Tyler loved, loved the magic wand waving again. Huh. Um, I have so many of those in American history where I was just like, if I could just wave that, wave that away and just like not have it be part of the history. You yeah. Know? Think about how much different it would be if there was no three fifths compromise. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, it's like right? if we could uh, just go uh, from instead of this. <laughs> it's like I hope that, you know, in the future as we bring folks together, it will become more like this and I will want to listen to this song. Yeah. But today I don't really feel like listening to this. <laughs>
Well, yeah, that note, yeah. No, it's it's it should. I I honestly think that today should be a day of reflection. As much as it should be about drinking beer and shooting off fireworks, right? It should be about reflection about how we can be better as a society. So I hope all of our listeners are taking a moment. That's right. Today, drinking or, beer, which was invented in Germany. Floor, I don't know if that's actually true. It's probably not, yeah. but I'm just gonna say it. And fireworks, which <laughs> no. were invented in China. See, that's what America is about: multiculturalism. It's probably like, all right, everybody, facts from the podcast. Yeah. Beer was invented in Germany. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs>